Just one sec, guys. Here's the espresso I made for you. Wow, Lee, so excited to try out your espresso. Who's that? What's up? What are you guys doing? I was just making a nice espresso. Would you like... No, Lee. You'll all have to try Death Wish coffee. Kurt, isn't that the world's strongest coffee? Fuck yes, it is. Oh, man. It tastes great. Just explosion of flavor in my mouth. When I try Death Wish coffee, it feels like Jesus Christ himself washing down my throat. But, Kurt, this is a lot of coffee. You must have spent a ton of money on it. And not just American dollars, but Canadian money. Fuck, no, I didn't. I used coupon code 3 Greeners and I got 10% off. You can too! <gasps> In a world of lame, nerdy podcasts, one, no three, and maybe sometimes more nerds, will rise to the challenge. We hold these studios accountable. We celebrate the amazing feats of cinema. We sometimes rage out. We are the Three Angry Nerds Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Two Angry Nerds Podcast. Because you know what? It's just me and Katie today. How's it going, Katie? Good. Upset that it's two. It's down to two once again. I but know. It is. Life happens. Um, I feel like we cheated some people out, you know, people tune in for three of us and, and yet, you know, you know what it is what it is. But then you also have the people too, (laughs) that when we have more than three, they get upset. They're like, why is there five people on the podcast? There should be three. And I'm like, sorry, don't know what to tell you. We can't control who comes in. It differs. It differs. Yes. Um, but yeah. Uh, I know Spark will be back on next week. We're going to talk about The Last of Us next week. I'm very excited. I did not get a screener for it, so I'm going to be watching it just like all the plebs. Day one. No advanced screening wow. on that one. But I am very excited uh, because it's been getting good reviews. And honestly, January usually has some not great stuff. So I need I need something to pick up my mood. So. <laughs> Pick up the mood? Pick up the mood, yeah. You know, like, just kind of help me feel a little bit better about life. So. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, we're here to talk about some movie stuff, TV stuff. Uh, Like, first off, the Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania trailer. We finally got a new trailer for that. Did you watch it, Katie? I didn't, but I was talking to my friend today, and... We came across this toy store that just displayed, like, models of, like, Marvel characters and stuff. And we mm-hmm. pointed it out, and I was like, you know what? Ant-Man is pretty underrated. Because she mentioned um, Captain Marvel being pretty underrated, and I was like, Ant-Man's pretty underrated. So, hoping for more Ant-Man appreciation. How do we Because Paul Rudd is freaking hilarious, and... Like he's brought so much to the role, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like people sleep on his movies because they're actually quite funny. He's pretty funny. I like yeah. his movies. Yeah, and he was one of my the favorite parts ones of. Too. Well, he was one of my favorite parts of Avengers Endgame. Like. Oh yeah, totally. When he was, when he, he was laughing. He practically it up. made the plot. Exactly. Yeah. If it wasn't for him, no Avengers Endgame. So, suck yeah. on that, Marvel fans. <laughs> Hot takes <laughs> Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, the trailer just showed off more of Kang and more of, you know, because obviously he's going to be a big villain. And they were showing him off, and yeah. Uh, they also showed off Modok, too, who's this little, this big, big head in a chair with little tiny arms and legs. And part of me thinks, or, you know, Modok is a villain in the Marvel Universe, but, like, he just looks so cute and adorable in this. I can kind of see them, like, making him maybe not a full-on villain. Like, maybe he's a villain at the beginning and then they turn him over because he just looks so cute in this. So Converted hero? Yeah. <laughs> maybe Ant-Man will be like, listen, you can be an adventure too, even though you offer literally nothing to the team, but we'll make you an adventure. So. Who, who even is in the Avengers anymore? Like, everyone's gone, practically. Yeah, I mean, Jeremy Renner's definitely not in it anymore. Just kidding. Bad joke. Don't kill me, please. <laughs> oh my god, too soon. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I, I, I'm pretty sure they're leading into, like, the new Avengers, like, with the kids, because they've been introducing a bunch of kids into these movies, if part of oh, thinks. Yeah. There's, there's, there's got to be a plan for this. Like, Doctor Strange introduced that girl that can make the portals, and then... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, Black Panther kid. Yeah. Um, so, something tells me we're just going to have, like, a little kid Avengers movie, and I'm not ready for that, because I think it's going to... I think... I, I don't have high hopes for that, if that's what they're doing. Like... I want a movie with Thor smacking people around with a hammer. I don't want, like, a bunch of 13-year-olds, like, I don't know, listening to Harry Styles and just taking down Marvel villains. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being too pessimistic, but, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's coming next month, actually, February, so... Hopefully we get a press screener for that one, because lordy lordy knows it's not always a guarantee in life. Um, Eternals producer Nate Moore confirms that there are future plans for Harry Styles, Star Fox. So, I mean, we expected that, because the way it ended, it was him showing up, so... Well, you say it, that, but certain people within the Marvel... F you Marvel family, the Marvel company, or whatever they're called, were like, oh, is this just a one and done? Because we haven't seen him in a while, so... Like, I think the Well, girl... he's part of Eternals, and Eternals is kind of, like, not there yet. Yeah. Like, I think Patton Oswalt was like, I don't know if he's coming back, and then the girl that plays Ms. Marvel was also like, I don't know if he's coming back either. So... Nate Moore had to come out and tell everyone that yes, Harry Styles is coming back because Lord knows that broke the fucking internet when that came out. <laughs> I I didn't have any particular feelings about it. I don't know. Yeah. Personally, I was like, who's this guy? But then there was some girl screaming behind me. She's like, Harry oh oh Styles! I was like, oh. This girl's gonna have an aneurysm during the press screening for for this movie for Eternals. <laughs> How dare you not know who Harry Styles is? I know, right? Um, yeah. Uh, 
there's a rumor that Miles Gutierrez Riley will be playing Hulkling in Agatha Coming Up Chaos. We just talked about Marvel setting up all these kids to be in the universe. And here you go. Because Hulkling is like a Kree Skrull hybrid kid. And he's a part of the Young Avengers. So makes sense, I guess, if they're building up to this. Which again, I'm not I'm not fully on board with this idea yet. The idea of these kids running around doesn't not excite me in the slightest. But <laughs> you know what? This is it's, this it's the new generation. This is what the uh, new Black Panther, the new all of the kids, you know? Yeah. So I mean Miss Marvel is a kid, right? Yeah, true. The, but she's yeah, probably the so. only the only kid so far I have found the most annoying. Like, I don't know. She she at least had a good plot going on. Um, but yeah, I I, I what I would like is for them to like I don't know. This is this is maybe a bit of a bit of a crazy idea. Well, she no, I guess not because they kind of did this already in Avengers: Infinity Wars. But just get rid of all the adults. Like just. They'll disappear. They all get blipped again or whatever. And then you're just stuck with these kids for a movie and then they have to rescue the adults. There you go. That's funny. I would... the adults are helpless. Yeah. And they have to rely on the kids. That the... You just have like, I don't know, Thor just being like, oh, we're screwed. These kids are not going to be able to save us. What about the, what about Ant-Man? Is there like a kid Ant-Man coming? Yeah, because he like... has his, his daughter that well, I don't think she's a kid she's oh. more of like a teenager but yeah I mean still oh. te- technically a kid I guess oh are teenagers technically kids probably <laughs> all right I hope Doctor Strange stays no kid Doctor Strange please I have a feeling they're gonna set up what's her name the the girl that was making the portals in the last Doctor Strange movie, they're going to be like, you're the new Doctor Strange. And we're all going to be like, God help us. This is awful. <laughs> I say this and then watch Marvel's like, hey, you know what's a great idea? Let's put her in a cape and make her Doctor Strange. Curtis on three and Greener said it. Let's do it. I'm like, no. <laughs> you just gave them my idea. All right. I'm, I'm the problem. It's me. Um, to quote T-Swift, our Lord and Savior. Um, there's a rumor that we're getting a, a Strange Academy rumor series, and it's going to be key to Avengers Secret Wars. I feel like all these shows and movies are, in some ways, key to a, the next movie. But, yeah, this will apparently focus on the fallout from... Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, and kind of show Wong rebuilding Kamrataj with, like, all these students, including the girl that made Portals. I always forget her name. America Chavez, that's it. Um, yeah, so. I Is just Benedict to... going to be there? Is who? Benedict. I mean, probably <laughs> not. They probably can't afford him. Or maybe he'll have, like, a cameo at the end. Like, he'll come in to grade all the students at the end. He'll be like, 
America Chavez, you get an A plus. She'll be like, yay. Is Wong gonna be there? Oh, probably. Yeah, he's in everything. The guy just—he's must be cheap because they keep putting him in everything. So. Don't say that. I like Wong a lot. I like I him too. He's in everything. I like him too, but definitely <laughs> it's like, can we afford Benedict? No. Can we afford Wong? Oh, definitely. He charges like ten dollars a day. He's fine. <laughs> oh my god. No. But. Grace is price. He deserves it. Yes. He's a key part of the MCU. Without him, there is no... Strange. <laughs> Which is funny, because Wong in the comics is such, like, a, a nobody character. Like, he just, people don't pay attention to him. But in the MCU, all of a sudden, now he's, like, everyone's He's favorite. the main character. He's, he's in everything. Yeah. He's in She-Hulk. He's in... I don't know. What else? He just pops up. Yeah, he just pops he up. He has the yeah. ability. I wouldn't be surprised if he shows up in, like, Daredevil or something. You know what? I think he will at yeah. this point. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Strange Academy. I, I, I just want it to be, like, kind of a riff on, like, the Beverly Hills, 90210, all those other, like, teen uh, kind of like high school shows but just do that but in the marvel universe there you go oh have some love triangles some abusive parents you know oh my gosh <laughs> just really make it just like those shows uh, do you think they have it in them to do that i think so i think marvel at this point is like how can we cover as many demographics as humanly possible like <laughs> Like, we got the space people with Guardians, and we've got the magic people with Doctor Strange. And then they'll be like, well, Strange Academy, let's get the people that are really specifically into 90s and 80s era teen sitcom shows set in You high know, school. those are really good. Yes. I say this so... as a dig, but I actually would not complain about that, because that's the right kind of trash that I would watch. <laughs> I mean, there's a show that we can't talk about yet because it hasn't been formally announced, but we've been watching it for review. And it's it's also just, like, the right <laughs> degree of trash that, like, just catches my attention. We eat it up. We yeah. eat it up. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> you know what? What if they make, like... Remember Sexy Bees? What if they just make, like, a show where everybody is dressed as, like, a Marvel character? Oh, my And gosh. they debate. That would be the greatest dating show ever. Just, oh, I see you're dressed as Doctor Strange. Oh, I see you're dressed as Thanos. Do you want to, <laughs> do you want to share a room tonight? Like, what? <laughs> that's, when, that's when Disney really starts, like, losing money. And they really are desperate. They're going to be like, Katie on Three Ingredients suggested that we do a dating show where people dress as Marvel characters. Someone shows up as Groot. <laughs> I think that would be a fan favorite. The Groot. I can show you my wood later. <laughs> oh, oh no! my god! <laughs> Expect to see this in like twenty forty two or something like that. When yeah, you Disney... know what? I think they're. I think they're hearing us. They'll make it happen. They 100%. made like Netflix made sexy beasts happen. It it there's a possibility. 
yeah anything is possible that's what really what i'm dating or uh missing from my disney plus uh experiences of dating shows set in the marvel or themed after the marvel universe not even set in the marvel universe but just themed and then when that does well because we all know it's like they could do one based on star wars <laughs> then they would do it on the hobbit <laughs> yes are you Sauron? Yes. Are you Gandalf? Wow. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Okay. That speaking, amazing. Speaking of Star Wars, uh, the Mandalorian Season 3 trailer is set to debut on January 16th, which is fact checks literally tomorrow. So, there you go. That'll, that'll be something. Watch a new... Watch some football. You watch the trailer for Mandalorian season three. There you go. I don't know. I'm just not that excited for Star Wars shows anymore. They kind of killed me last year. So we had Book of Boba Fett, whatever else, and I'm just like I'm tired of Star Wars shows. Honestly, I haven't watched any, so I really don't know anything about Star Wars. Fair. Um, I'm at this point where I'm like ready to just not really care about Star Wars anymore. I'm like, I'm ready. I'm done. <laughs> what uh, was the last draw? I think it was Book of Boba Fett, which they were like really invested in. And then it was just the hottest of garbage. It was so bad. It was just. <laughs> <sighs> was it that bad? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was like a real mess of a show where just nothing made sense or, like, meshed together. The only thing that was cool about it was they brought in this character, Cad Bane, which is pretty cool. And he was in the animated shows, but he's never been in live action. And that was probably the coolest thing about that entire show. Everything else just, just sucked. Just wow. sucked. Yeah. How much did they invest in it? Probably a lot. It's Disney. Oh god. Yeah. But we'll see. I I'm still holding out a little bit of hope that Mandalorian season three can be good. I think if they keep their focus on Mandalorian and don't try to spin off all these shows from it, because I think that was also the problem with me in Mandalorian season two. It was constantly like, look at this character. Can't wait to see them on their next adventures coming in twenty twenty three. And then you're like, please, just just tell a story. Don't don't use this to fucking your other shows that are coming out like i don't need that i just want to i just want a show that from start to finish tells a nice cohesive story and that was not mandalorian season two or book of boba fett really for that matter so i mean everything now is like paving the way for something else it's never just the show well i feel like certain franchises do it better than most like marvel does that obviously but like i feel like marvel at least like it doesn't seem so apparent it seems more like oh okay like i'm kind of curious when this next character is going to pop up whereas like with the star wars stuff i think it's a little bit more apparent what they're trying to do at least from my oh, takeaway from okay. it yeah they do it like worse yeah exactly yeah they're <laughs> They're not as subtle about it. They're just like, here's this character and their show coming next year. And you're like, oh, God. Like, I think we all watch, like, something like Doctor Strange to the Multiverse of Madness. You're like, okay, well, obviously, America Chavez is coming back. Right? Like, you can kind of just figure. But 
still the story works on its own. It doesn't like too heavy handedly be like, oh, this character's coming back. But I think with the Star Wars stuff, it was getting a little too aggressive with that. You're just like, please. I don't care about Gina Carano. Well, actually, I don't think anyone cares about Gina Carano anymore, but especially back then. So. Oh. Yeah. Uh, on some DC stuff, Jacob LRD, who he was in uh, that show where people do a lot of drugs and sex. Euph- Euphoria? Yeah, that's it. Wasn't he in um, one of those, The Kissing Booth, or um, was he in The Kissing Booth? Yes, he was. Okay. He was, he was also yeah. on that, too. I, mi- I mix him up with um, Noah Centineo all the time. I'll say fair. Because they kind of look similar enough, I, I could I could see it. Um, I think it's just because to all the boys in the kissing booth like are the same to me in my mind. I just remember he was just the worst possible person in Euphoria, and just <laughs> every time I watch that show, I'm like, how can you make someone more a piece of shit every single episode? But his character, he was, his character name was Nate, right? Yeah. Yeah, I heard a lot about him from the Twitterverse. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, if you've never seen the show, he, he's probably the closest thing to a villain in that show. Um, so, um, But yeah, he's rumored to be up for the role of Superman, although James Gunn has said that... Well, James Gunn answered in the most James Gunn way possible. He basically said that they aren't casting currently for Superman, but he didn't debunk the fact that this guy's up for the role. So, I don't know. It was very interesting because a lot of people were like, oh, he said uh, that he's not he's not uh, got the role. And I'm like, no, they he literally just said that they're not currently casting for Superman and that he's waiting for the script to be done and then they're going to start casting. But he at no point denied it fully. So, I mean, could there be Jacob Allardy? as Superman, maybe. I mean... Do you think he's fit for the role? Yeah, I think he'd be good. He's young, and I think whoever they get as Superman at this point, they want him to be relatively young. Because he was... I think he's... I want to say... 25? Like 20-something. Yeah. So he's still relatively young, and I think that benefits... Him because I think whoever they get, they want someone who's going to play Superman like very early on in their career. So I think he'd be a good fit for it. Sure. Just got to make sure he goes to the gym, I guess, so he can get in shape. Because if you're going to be Superman, you got to do a lot of shirtless scenes. So you better be ready for that. I mean, I think he's ready for that. Yeah. I think he can pull it off. Okay. Uh, the Batman director, Matt Reeves, updates on the sequel saying that he's deep into working on the scripts. So, there you go. I feel bad for Matt Reeves because everyone's always like, when's the sequel coming? He's like, let me just work on this movie, please. Didn't it just come out, the Batman? Yeah, it came out last year, so. So, people, let him breathe. Yeah. Let him live. Yeah. Like, if I had to guess... He'll probably write it this year. They'll probably shoot it next year. And then probably it'll come out like 2025, 2026, something like that. That sounds like a reasonable timeline. Yeah. Like, 
it's hard, obviously, but he if he says he's deep into working it, then he is. Yeah. Take him for his word, people. Uh, speaking of, Matt Reeves worked on the Planet of the Apes movie, and they're just making more of those without him because oh. they need to make money, apparently. Um, oh. And they have the new one, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, which has cast William H. Macy. And we don't know who he's playing, but I'm going to guess he's probably going to be playing like a prepper or something. Some kind of crazy person who's like, I knew the apes were going to take over. That's why I saved these 500 cans of beans or something. <laughs> he knew what was up the whole time. But anyways. Yeah. Um, and then next up, Deadpool and Terminator Dark Fate director Tim Miller to direct reshoots for Borderlands in place of Eli Roth. Um, so some people have been like freaking out, thinking like, oh, Eli Roth, he's out of Borderlands. But uh, I think it's a relatively common thing to bring in directors that have specialities that are more than what a certain director can do like for instance the birds of prey movie they brought in the person who worked on um the john wick movies to touch up the action because the director of birds of prey just wasn't quite uh action focused as uh she probably needed to be so i i don't think people should be getting too or read too much into this i think it's just a case of yeah he's just like skills different skills yeah but people are like, oh my gosh, is Eli Roth off of Borderlands? I'm like, no. It's a relatively common practice in the movie industry to just bring in different people who can, yeah, spruce up different areas of the movie. Uh, and then on to some TV show stuff. We have a Dungeons & Dragons live action series coming from the Red Notice director. It's got an eight episode order on Paramount+. Plus. As you may know, they have a Dungeons & Dragons movie coming out this year. Which I'm very excited for, because I think it's, I didn't know that. It's I think it's gonna be fun because Dungeons and Dragons kind of lends itself to being funny with the action. Like when you think about it, it's like it's mostly just these people, you know, playing this game and how people interact with the game and do it. It's just kind of fun. So I kind of feel like if they can capture that in the movie, it'll be a good time. Um, so yeah, eight episode series. They did say that it's made in conjunction with the movie so who knows if it's a continuation or like a spin-off with a certain character or what's going on but yeah apparently there is some level of connectiveness with the movie so why did we never talk about them making a spin-off of pitch perfect with that one dude um adam devine uh, adam devine divine De- you know i think it's guy? just most people don't care that's what i heard too (laughs) that's what i've been told i don't know i keep hearing like i keep seeing trailers of it everywhere like before it was is it out i don't even know if it's out uh yeah good question i do know that it went to peacock and i don't have a press thing for peacock so there you go that's probably why i didn't review it but (laughs) <laughs> give me my press peacock account and then we'll talk and then you'll review the <laughs> pitch perfect spinoff yes <laughs> then and only then 
we get my fees. Um, yeah. Well, that's cool. Uh, and then finally, Rick and Morty star and co-creator Justin Roiland facing felony domestic violence charges after a 2020 incident. So, boy, Damn. oh boy. Um, yeah. Justin Roiland does a lot of the voices for Rick and Morty. And, uh, yeah. He's, he's in some trouble. Um, it's disappointing. And yeah. very awful. Yeah, and I don't know, like, yes, he's facing charges. We, you know, obviously you say, you know, innocent until proven guilty. Is that how it goes? But but also, always believe the victim. True, true. And I'm partially like, I don't know. I feel like it's, uh, you know... Like, some people will will make up some stuff that's fake to, like, slander someone or whatever. Like, that does happen. But I feel like this is so specific that I'm like, no, there's no way somebody could just make this up. Like, yeah. Apparently he's being charged with domestic battery and false imprisonment. My gosh. So, yeah. Um... Yeah. But he did say that he, he's innocent and he expects the case to be dismissed. Um, that's what his lawyer said on his behalf. I mean, uh, everybody pleads innocent. Well, not everybody. You know, some people well, are like, usually. yeah, I did this. But, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta be like, listen, yeah, I definitely did that. I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna play games with y'all. I did that. <laughs> um. It, you know what? Accountability is always good. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, apparently, uh, like, no details of what happened are being made publicly available due to, uh, a protective order, so basically, whatever happened, like, they're basically making sure the public won't know about it, so, kind of makes it a little... I think good. Yeah. I think good for them, or, like, good for the victim. It doesn't need to be everybody's business, obviously. Yeah, I think it goes for both parties, too. Like, obviously, you know, if this person's going to say something that's going to slander him, not to say that they are, but if they are, like, that kind of at least kind of keeps it private where people are not going to... Like, gonna bring know. it up again afterwards. Yeah, or, like, at least people won't know the details, so they can't really, like, harm him. Like, obviously, the details are going to be made available in the court and all that, but, yeah. It's just, uh, you know, obviously, Justin Rowland, he does a lot of stuff. Like, he's a very busy person. He works on a lot of shows and video games and movies and stuff like that. So, I think, uh, you know, he's a very, relatively, like, busy guy in the uh, industry. So, we'll see what happens. Um, oh. I don't know. I'm all like, you know what? If if he did it, get him charged. We'll figure it out. You know, if if he didn't do it, then you know, let's let's figure it out either way. So either way, whatever happens, it's gonna happen. That's that's the truth. 
And we'll and we'll just figure it out afterwards. Yes. If he gets fired from everything, then that's what happens. Yep. <laughs> that is the unequivocal truth. Okay. Let's take a quick break, and then we're going to review some stuff. Final news. One final news. Oh. <laughs> Phineas and Ferb is being revived. Oh, my God. Very excited. <laughs> I, I've we're watched... getting 40 new episodes. That's incredible. I'm excited. I, it, it's like one of my favorite shows ever growing up. So. I... I've blocked that show out of my mind for a very specific and very weird reason, but oh, I'm excited for the fans. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm excited for for you and all the other Phineas and Ferb fans out there. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, now they're a part of Disney and Marvel and all that, so do you think they'll have Star Wars and Marvel characters show up? I mean, they did for like one like crossover thing. There was like a Hulk and like a. They had like an Avengers spinoff. Well, there you go. Maybe they can do more of that. Um, <laughs> is it I think to... they need to do one with Doctor Strange where they build a portal for Strange. That'd be amazing. Yeah. I wonder if it'll come to Disney Plus or if it's just going to be on, like, their actual TV networks. So. I hope it comes to Disney Plus. Yeah, because who has cable anymore? <laughs> cool. Okay. Well, now let's take a quick break. And then we're going <laughs> to review some stuff that is not Phineas and Ferb. Back in a bit. Hey everybody, it's Curtis from the podcast, letting you know that we're brought to you by Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime's got amazing content such as The Boys, The Expanse, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Goliath, and so much more. Don't have to take our word for it. Go try out a 30-day trial of the service. See if you like it. If you want to stick around, they've got low introductory rates for new users who sign up. And you're going to get a ton of other Amazon Prime benefits. So sign up today and check it out. Thank you for your time. And we're back. It's been such a short break, but you know what? That's that's how these ad breaks go. Uh, let's review some uh, movies here that we've got. Uh, the first movie for review is the movie Missing, which is a sequel of sorts to the movie uh, Searching, which came out, uh, I want to say like four years ago, something like that. And, um, yeah, missing star Storm Reed, and she plays a young girl who is tasked with picking up her mom for the airport after a trip, and she gets to the airport, and her mom's not there, and she has to figure out why her mom is cute title card missing. Um, yeah, I actually really like this movie. I thought it was very well done. Uh, Storm Reed does a great job of carrying most of the movie, considering that she's in front of the the camera most of the time and by in front of the camera i mean all of this movie kind of like searching all of the movie takes place through digital boxes so it's not shot traditionally it's shot in a way where um you have uh like 
a ta- uh, like a video playing of a news article or like <clears throat> a webcam or a-, a TikTok playing in the background. And it's all like all that stuff kind of tells the story, but it's not necessarily all shot traditionally. It's all kind of through these digital windows and lenses, which is really cool. And I think they really did a great job of like utilizing it to great purpose and even going a little bit above and beyond like they put in some little subplots and other stuff and like little hidden Easter eggs and those windows and stuff. And I thought it was really cool to kind of see things that they were kind of using the, the technology to do to kind of like, you know, like there was an ad for stuff that like, you're like, Oh, okay. Like that definitely ties into the searching, like the last movie that came out. Cause this movie is largely standalone, but like they do have like a few references to the first film. So it obviously takes place in the same universe, but at the same time, it does its own thing. Um, yeah. Um, I don't want to spoil too much because it is kind of like a mystery movie. Like there is a lot kind of riding on the mystery and the reveal and what's going on. So I don't want to say too much, but I, I, I enjoyed this quite a bit. Uh, I would probably give it an eight out of 10. And, um, if you want to hear more uh, after reviews, I'm going to cut to an interview I have with the directors of the movie. And uh, I talked to them a little bit about the movie. Again, spoiler free, but yeah. So go check out Missing. That's exclusively in theaters. And uh, yeah. Next up is Spoiler Alert, uh, a movie that I didn't like nearly as much as Missing, but sorry. Michael Osiello. Um, yeah, this movie is about, funny enough, a TV and film critic. So I felt very seen in this movie. I felt like this movie was really, like, targeting me as its core audience. Um, but with spoiler alert, it, it uh, focuses on a real-life person, but played by Jim Parsons, who you probably know from Big Bang Theory. Uh and yeah, the movie opens up and basically just tells you that uh, his partner is going to die uh, from cancer. And then the movie kind of then works around to kind of like try to tell that story. So that's kind of why the movie's called Spoiler Alert, because at the beginning they kind of tell you how it ends, but then they go and fill in the rest of the story. Um, it kind of felt like any moments of sincerity were undercut with moments of just not really understanding what this movie was trying to do. Like oftentimes it felt like the movie was trying to be funny or trying to be cute when it should have been more dramatic and more serious. Um, I don't know. It also felt like the movie was just very generic and kind of devoid of much identity to kind of link it to by Cossiello. Um, considering that there's, like, a lot of stuff out there on his story and what happened with him and his partner, like, it felt like there was a lot missing from this, and it just kind of felt like a very generic kind of movie, despite the fact that it shouldn't be. Like, this movie actually could have had a lot more going on with it. Um, yeah, and I kind of just felt like between the lack of kind of specificness to Michael's kind of story 
and the lack of its real identity, I kind of felt like this movie was very non-effective at what it wanted to do. And I think it, it just kind of makes it very bland and very, I don't know, it just lacks the effectiveness that it needed to tell its story in an interesting way. So I'm going to give this a 5 out of 10. Um, you know, I'm sure there's a version of this movie that is a little bit more, I guess, identifiable, a little bit more interesting, but this was unfortunately not it. And then finally, we're going to talk about There's Something Wrong With The Children, which is coming to Paramount Plus. And this is a Blumhouse horror movie. Uh, it's relatively short. It's like 90-ish minutes, something like that. Uh, it was mostly really engaging. It's basically about this: these two couples that go up. One of them has two kids, and something happens with the kids, and then you start to wonder... Cue title card. Is there something wrong with the children? Um, but yeah, the child actors in this were relatively well, well performing. I guess is the right word. Uh, they came across as lovable when they needed to be, and then when they had to be a little more sinister, they pulled that off too. The adult actors were also pretty good. Um, my only real issue with this is the story takes a few weird turns, and it kind of felt like it was. Not wanting to answer too much of why the movie was like it was. And I kind of needed a little bit more of that. So, oh. I'd give this like a 7 out of 10. I think the movie could have been a little bit more focused on telling the story that it needed to tell. Or even just gone a bit longer and given us a few more answers. Because it just kind of felt like it was trying to answer the why on this was happening. But it also just didn't really care to tell give any answers so yeah seven out of ten okay well that's it for this episode katie we made it all right we got there yes um we did so, it but don't tune out just yet because we're leaving but i'm gonna leave you with the interview with the directors of missing and then that's it we're done so stick around for that because that was a great interview and uh yeah until next time everybody bye for now okay yes uh my name is curtis smakel i'm here with the three angry nerds podcast and i'm here today with will merrick and nick johnson how are you two doing today hi great thanks great. for talking to us oh thanks for uh, joining me um, yeah, you guys have directed a sequel of, well, a sequel in the sense that it's a continuation from the movie Searching, but the movie is kind of a standalone movie. It kind of works in and of itself. Um, but yeah, uh, I, uh, we're here to talk about that movie a little bit. And I also just kind of want to ask you a few questions about the movie, uh, that I had. I've seen the movie and I absolutely loved it. It's a great follow-up to Searching. Uh, and I guess kind of on my first note about a question I have is sort of having you worked on searching, uh, you two are editors on that movie, correct? That's correct. Yeah. So, uh, what were sort of some major lesson, lens, lessons, sorry, words failed me, uh, that you took away from that experience that maybe you applied towards missing? Mm, you got anything? 
W. Well, yeah. I mean, first of all, directing, writing, directing is not as easy as you would think. It's a it's a very humbling experience. Um, so we um, uh, we learned a lot on this movie. I think what we took away with us from searching. First of all, we leaned a lot on our producers, Seven Niche and Natalie, and and Anish in particular helped us a lot with just directing actors on, on screens. Um, okay. I think we we came into this. Um, a little bit better prepared with like how eye lines would go. Um, mm. And, and we, you know, we pre the entire movie just like we did from the first uh, in searching. So um, okay. that kind of gave us like a, a roadmap, I think for, for production. Yeah, the two of us as editors are like, you know, those two old guys in the Muppets who are just jeering at everybody's <laughs> thing. And, and, and having to be down there directing was a, uh, it yeah. was a different experience. But I think coming in <laughs> as editors, we did, we did come from that perspective of like, oh, we know the exact beat we need. And so we mm. would, you know, if the crew was all kind of like, all right, we're ready to move on, we knew when to say, no, 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 we need that one little thing. Because as editors, yeah. we've been in that position where we don't have it, and then we have to fluid morph a bunch of crazy stuff, and we know that's a pain. So we brought yeah. that experience with us. Yeah, I guess as editors, you sort of know what's needed once you get to that stage of the process. So being a director, you kind of know to kind of pre-prepare for that. That's awesome. Uh, another question I have is, uh, you know, obviously both searching and missing both kind of utilize a very unique visual style. And I'm curious if there were any sequences, obviously we want to stay spoiler free, but like any sequences in uh, missing that you maybe found were very hard to either shoot or edit around from a certain logistical perspective, like just watching this movie, it's so unique visually. I was just wondering, like, there's got to be at least a sequence or two in this that must have been pretty hard to pull off. Absolutely, yeah. there are a lot of different. Th I mean, the one thing one thing that comes to mind is the the party sequence um, because there are so. Mm. First of all, as an editing feat, that's something that Ariel and Austin like did such a great job uh, with, um, like really elevating that format. But it was mm. a difficult thing to convey some of the visual ideas that we had sometimes. Um, and yeah. also on top of that, um, it, it uh, had so many uh, bits and pieces that it's really hard to convey to your production crew sometimes all the different things that, that you needed um, mm -hmm. because we needed just volume of material. So it was really difficult, I think, to, to capture all that stuff and to plan for that. Um, right. Yeah, I don't know, yeah, do you have another? Yeah. I mean, the other thing that comes to mind is some of the scenes, and I, without giving any spoilers away, some of the scenes that take place entirely in one open FaceTime window, but has a lot of physical blocking. Some of the challenges mm, there is purely that. just a logistical, like you, you, you want the actress to stay grounded and really you know, be truly like nuanced and emotional and, and for everything to feel real, but then you have to also tell them, but our angle of view is this and you can't move. And if you move, we're gonna have yeah. to do another yeah. take. Yeah, we marked out everything on these narrow vertical FaceTime windows and we had to block all the action in this incredibly tight frame. Yeah. And then right as we're done about to lock picture, Apple updates their interface and it's suddenly like way <laughs> wider, but it's too late for us. <laughs> Go figure, eh? Um, yeah, and I'm guessing, too, like, trying to make it feel natural while also, you know, keeping in mind that this is a movie and you have to accomplish certain goals. That, yeah, 
I can see how that. Could yeah, the be, actors uh, are in a tight a position a lot. They have to like emote as, as in a real way as ever, but like be exactly right here and look exactly over here. There's yeah. nothing more frustrating than when an actor nails it emotionally, but then they forgot to look up in the in the right corner to look at a notification, and you're like, I'm sorry, we have to do it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, another question I have is while you were working on this movie, you know, obviously the first movie kind of came out in the, before COVID-19 and all that, uh, you know, did the pandemic at least influence this movie at all from a logistical standpoint or a story standpoint? This movie was almost com perfectly fitted to the pandemic and it's making. It was, uh, yeah, it, it started like, we started writing like the first week of the pandemic One, yeah. And it, it led to a lot of discussions of, like, should people be wearing masks in this movie? Like, should we use Zoom? Um, ultimately, we decided, we you know, in terms of the story that we had, it was neither here nor there in terms of the pandemic. So we actually right. even cut a scene out that was a bunch of friends watching a TV show on Zoom because it felt kind of false to our increasingly post-pandemic life now. Right, right. Uh, I do have one final question before we uh, head out here, but uh, I have to ask because the first movie, uh, John Cho, was fantastic in that. Storm Reed is great in this. Uh, you know, assuming that there's going to be a third movie, is there any particular actor or actress that you would love to work with? <laughs> um, we are too close. We just finished this movie like a couple days ago, so we're too close right now. But I love that question. Not what it would be uh, about, not the title, but Tom, Tom Cruise. I think Tom, Tom Cruise would be a really great <laughs> screen movie protagonist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would Keanu be awesome. I, yeah, Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Let's get Keanu Reeves on a screen movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Tom Cruise might run around a little too much for a yeah. first time. But, uh, <laughs> hey, he Keanu can run Odyssey. around with a computer. The frame. Yeah, he's yeah. got a computer. He's got a computer space. he's running. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, the movie hits theaters soon. Uh, it is exclusively in theaters, but, I mean, don't uh, let that stop you from seeing it in theaters. And uh, definitely, I'm going to be giving it higher marks, and people should definitely check it out. Uh, yeah, Will and Nick, uh, thank you so much for joining me. Thank, thank you, you so much for having us. This is great. Great talking. Thank you.